last 20 years, the two biggest things out of a cybersecurity and that we're, we've been screaming at the top of our lungs are don't click on the link and make a strong password. From Tyler Technologies, it's the Tyler Tech Podcast, where we talk about issues facing communities today and highlight the people, places, and technology making a difference. My name is Jeff Harrell. I'm the Director of Content Marketing for Tyler, and I'm glad you've joined me. Well, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and so we wanted to bring Max Green back. Max was on episode number nine of the Tyler Tech Podcast, and he is an expert on cybersecurity, and we wanted to bring him back to give us not only a refresher on becoming and staying diligent as we, many of us are working from home and what's the current cyber environment like? How can we remain diligent? Is that text I just received from Amazon really a free $100 gift card? What are some practical tips? This is a great, very practical episode. I hope that you enjoy it and that you will share it with friends as well because we all need to remain diligent. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Max Green. Well, Max, I'm, I'm so excited to have you back. I know we had you last summer. I can't believe it's been over a year back on episode nine and you helped us because back then we were all new to working at home and you gave us some really practical tips on how to be cybersecurity aware while working from home. And we're going to touch on that because I think a refresher is not only needed, but, but important. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about October because October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about why is there one month and shouldn't we be cybersecurity aware every month? We absolutely should. Just like we should appreciate our pets every day and we should honor (laughs) our our parents and our children and all the things. Cybersecurity Month actually came together as a collaboration of really a a bunch of government, a lot of the government agencies and industry together to really kind of get ahead of a flurry of cybercrime. And, and, you know, sadly, Jeff, you know, in in the year that that we've had since the last time I was on, it's, it's only gone significantly up. It's hard to really trust any of the stats or the numbers, but you know, I mean, every year there's just a steady increase. And then this year was unprecedented. I mean, because I think we talked about last time that the ultimate advantage for cyber criminals is this world of chaos that, we're, that we've been living in and taking advantage of the unknown. And, you know, so it started with the World Health Organization fictitious sites and the CDC fictitious sites and the fictitious information out there. And then it just kind of continued with things that we're going to target specific, like to people that are at home, you know, for everything from your Netflix account is compromised to that Amazon package we tried to send you is here and, you know, click for the $500. I think we've seen a huge uptick in, in text in smishing or, or text message phishing. And I, I know that I've read in a few places that that will probably outpace business email phishing and, and personal email phishing, just because it's so easy to get to the masses. And it's uh, really so hard to to track down. We're really getting bombarded from all sides. We, we, we're always going to have email phishing. We now have that. We all, we all have our phones on us all the time. And sometimes it's really appealing. And we're like, oh, well, maybe we did win that $500. You know? and, right, uh, yeah. and, and then let alone, you know, the flurry of cyber calls. And even um, in our engagements, when we do testing, like we, we spoof the number as, you know, cyber criminals do. 
But, you know, I see, I get calls now coming in that will say, you know, the, the state of Maine or something ominous that feels like it's real. And then it's, you know, someone clearly in a call center telling me that my Tyler insurance isn't up to date and they need my insurance card, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's definitely overwhelming, but I think you're right. It's something that we've talked about, but we need to kind of get a refresher because I think it's harder to stay diligent when we've kind of all been in our little bubbles and, and been remote and, it's, it's not something we're talking about often. It's just kind of something that's in the background. Well, we're going to hit on those specific tips here in a second. And you, you touched on this. I do want to talk about the, the most current threats, the new, maybe not new, maybe using the same old tactics. But what, what, what's the current threat environment? What are the things that cyber criminals are now? I know you mentioned current events and you know, COVID situation, CDC. You know, they're, they're using these sensitive things that are happening in our lives to penetrate and to leverage. But what, what's, what's the current environment like and what are, what are the current tactics that cyber criminals are using? We still have a, a ton of ransomware and you know malware in general. And of course, that's always the easiest way to deploy that is through uh, kind of basic social engineering tactics, through phishing, through text message. It's more typically they're trying to get you know, your credit card information, but we, we are seeing a lot of um, apps that, you know, are, aren't vetted. And if people aren't kind of doing their due diligence and they're putting an app on their phone, that can lead to compromise as well. And phishing as a service is, is becoming more popular. So ransomware as a service was, you know, easily a billion dollar industry at this point. And now, you know, using the same model just to get any, any kind of compromise has, has really become really popular. And, and, they, and they operate like legitimate businesses, you know, in third world nations using sketchy tactics and they're well-funded and, uh, you know, they got great customer service and, and they're just doing it around the clock. And just to remind everyone, phishing would be when they're, they, is it usually email or is it could, could it be a, a bunch of different tactics when, it, when phishing is involved? Phishing is typically considered email. And then sometimes people refer to uh, phone calls as phishing, so voice phishing. And then the text messages are are starting to be known as smishing, so SMS phishing. Is there a rule of thumb? So for all those, and I feel like I get more, as you mentioned, text messages now that from out of the blue, people that aren't in my, you know, in my contact list, I get phone calls, used to be from odd numbers. Now it's from area codes that look familiar. Is there a rule of thumb that says, if you don't know who it is, is it, if it's not in your contact, just don't answer it. I mean, I've honestly, I've used controls in my phone. I, I know at least in the iPhone, um, you have the ability to, to say, you know, don't even have it ring when it's an unknown number. You know, I know that that's not applicable for everyone, depending on what your, what your role is. But, you know, uh, more often than not, if, if someone's calling you from a number you don't know, you, you know, you're assuming they're going to leave a voicemail. And that's not to say that these fictitious calls won't leave voicemails. I, I get calls from... Uh, I, as ever, as I'm sure you do, Jeff, the car warranty people almost daily, and uh, <laughs> my, my my student loan forgiveness, and you know, and and whatever they can do to to get us on the hook, and kind of looking at our demographic, and and they target it, you know, based on that. Yeah, it feel it feels like that, and that's the rule of thumb I use. If I don't know the number, doesn't look familiar, I'll let it go to voicemail. And my assumption is, if it's important, they'll leave a, a voicemail. And Sometimes I forget to check my voicemail just because, you know, I just don't talk on the phone that much. But that, that's a that's a good rule. What about text messages? How, how do you respond to those? Well, the, the best thing is to not respond to them. Uh, you know, I, it's funny, too. I noticed kind of in the middle of COVID, um, the model started to switch a little bit where it wasn't just a, a direct text message to just me, but actually me and 
maybe 10 other people at the same time, just to let, in, in more of a group message setting, allowing them to kind of spray out even more potential targets. And then you'd have people kind of biting and, and doing the stop or no. And it's like, you know, and it's honestly the worst thing they can do because it's just acknowledging that it's a live number. But the, the issue is it's almost impossible to completely stop it. The best thing the average user can do is just to block that number and, you know, and look away. And the thing is, it, you know, what triggers a lot of us is that so often it might be, you know, saying, oh, it's something up with your bank account or your credit card or someone's gained access to your Gmail or Dropbox or, you know, whatever it might be. And the real kind of mitigating factor that we can do as users is to ignore that message and then do our due diligence and log in to whatever platform they're claiming to be from. Call your bank, not, not from the number that texted you, but the, you know, the number in the back of your card, uh, log into your online banking, log into your email, log into Dropbox. If there's actually an issue, there's going to be an alert in that account. And, and that's really, you know, everything from Netflix, any, any account-based thing, uh, you know, don't worry about the text message, log into your account. Got it. So that we've covered phone call, don't answer, let it go to voicemail, the text message, don't respond, go log in if you feel like it might be legitimate. What about email? Because we get a lot of, we get a lot of email spam. Some of it's, you know, just spam. It's just people trying to sell us something, but other times I imagine it can be more uh, criminal than that. What, what about email? Yeah, you know, it's a mixed bag, right? I mean, salespeople are using social engineering tactics uh, j just as often as the cyber criminals. With email, um, you know, it's just important to be cautious, uh, really, honestly, to take the extra second to be mindful, to look at the address. Does it look familiar? Read the, you know, tagline. What we're fortunate about is more and more, you know, every, everyone from Outlook to uh, Gmail has gotten really good at giving you a warning of saying, hey, you know, uh, this person's outside of your organization, or you know, this person's email looks like this person's email, and and you'll get a little alert. And everyone should really take pause. And, and sometimes it's you know, just the other day, I I emailed a colleague of mine, uh, you know, through through a Gmail. He got that alert, but he knew it was actually from me. And you know, and that and that's great that they're doing that. But it really, you know, it's incumbent upon the user to really just take the extra beat. And you know, I know in some emails you, you i think really most platforms you can flag it and kind of you know do the the right click or the flag or you know whatever kind of it depends where you're in but report it as phishing and, and that's really good to do as well and that will kind of train your email that if you know it comes to that sender again it's going to go right to junk or it's going to get deleted right away certainly if you open you know if you open an email there's cases where you could be at risk just from opening it but more often than not you know there's going to be a link in that email and, and, and just absolutely avoid clicking on that link. And then once you click on the link, definitely don't provide any information <laughs> and, you know, uh, and simple things, you know, simple triggers that your gut should wake up to, you know, if they're, if they're asking for credit card information, if they're asking for anything sensitive, you, if you're not expecting it, if you're not, if you didn't initiate it, it pretty good chance that it, it's, they're fishing. <laughs> it sounds like the rule of thumb then would be don't, don't engage with the email. If you think it might be legitimate, go to your, bank's website. You, you go to them versus them coming to you. Yep. So yeah, same principle as the phishing, visit the account. And oftentimes, Jeff, you know, it's, it's not actually phishing, it's email compromise, right? That someone has gained access to your email and you're now sending me emails. And I know that I that trade emails with you back and forth. And so harder to catch in that in, in, in those times. But again, you know, kind of 
reading the message. Does it add up? If you're uncertain, take it out of cyber, you know, take it out of the internet, pick up the phone, message them in, a, in another medium to say, hey, did you really send this to me before you just kind of blindly say, oh, well, you know, Jeff just sent me this weird fun photo <laughs> yep. and, and you click on the link. What about apps? Because I use my bank apps on my phone, you know, and I authenticate with my thumbprint. Are, are those pretty safe? So most apps that, you know, are going to be connected to, uh, you know, our banks or uh, major organizations are vetted and are safe. You know, it's, it's really important, just like uh, it's important for us to power down and make sure that we're, we're getting the patches and updates from IT. We want to be doing that with our phones, too. You really want to keep up with, with OS updates because oftentimes that's releasing patches for vulnerabilities, you know, include, and, and updating your apps as well for the, for the same reason. Being really cautious of, of downloading apps for the sake of downloading apps. Because a lot of apps are coming from kind of shadier places, you know, com coming from different countries, haven't really been vetted, have, you know, a small amount of users and are either just full of bots that are going to try to scam you or are giving a lot of unknown permissions to to the app that now, you know, un unbeknownst to us, because no one's really reading those long user agreements, have a lot more control or, or insight to our phone than we're aware of, especially like tracking services, right? Uh, so many um, are doing that in the background and, and, and they can get a lot of information from that. So be diligent about the, the apps that you actually load onto your phone. I wouldn't Absolutely. even thought of that. I was just like, oh, the more apps, the better. <laughs> right. That's good. Well, let's turn now to, we, we, we still, a lot of us are working from home. I think more and more people may even be working from home in a permanent situation. I think more and more companies are making that, you know, and offering that availability to their employees. Let's do a re quick refresher on making sure we're being diligent as we're working from home. What, what are just some basic things that people should be doing as they think about being cyber safe at home? Well, for starters, really definitely dedicating certain devices to certain activities. You don't want to be and, and I think it's kind of a trap that I'm sure most many people fall into, um, especially because we have been remote for so long. But, you know, your work computer is still your work computer and your personal computer is your personal computer. And so the sites that you're going to visit, you know, you should be extra mindful, uh, you know, if you're on your work machine, you shouldn't be uh, sending information that's uh, confidential or work related to your personal email or, or, you know, or, you know, bringing it down to your personal device. And uh, more often, you know, m the most important is if, if you have the ability, you know, within your organization to, to VPN into, you know, your organization's network, that's really, that's crucial because, you know, that's going to ensure that there's still eyes on your traffic. There's, there's, you know, the, the security measures that we put on our networks, um, you know, throughout our organizations. And so that's really important that we're connecting to our, our VPNs when, you know, especially when we're dealing with any kind of client or customer data. Passwords seem to be the bane of everyone's existence because you're always having to change it. You can't remember them. And it just, it seems painful, but I'm thinking you're going to tell me that it's worth it because I'd imagine a good, strong password is one of the best ways you can protect yourself as well. It absolutely is, you know, really in every case. And, and we all, I mean, and, and, and I'll admit it myself that, you know, there's certain things that, that I'll get lazier on than not. And I'm yelling at myself that I'm not even eating my own dog food. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, sh I should add an ampersand and a, and a, and a paraphrase and, and another 19 characters to this. But it really is the best thing. It, you know, it's 
it's really the best thing we can do to protect ourselves as users is, is making strong, secure passwords, especially when it comes to our home Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, even if we're utilizing our VPN, that that's, that's what we're, you know, we're using our Wi-Fi to connect. So making that as strong as it can be, as well as, you know, making your network a unique identifier as opposed to keeping it the generic. If you're in a really populated area, even considering, you know, turning off your 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 broadcasting of your network. You know, if, if you live in a, a dense apartment building, uh, you know, not even having the option for, for people to see that. And, you know, only, only you know that it exists and you can connect to it. Now that's gotten really um, cumbersome in, in a world of, of smart devices and IoT devices because it makes it harder for those things to immediately connect. But um, it's definitely you know a safety measure. But but yeah, I mean in the traditional sense, Jeff, you know we talked we've talked about this in the past that you know over the last twenty years the two biggest things out of a cybersecurity and that we're we've been screaming at the top of our lungs are don't click on the link. <laughs> and make a strong password. And and for the people that are worried about uh, you know remembering their passwords because who isn't? I would, you know, strongly suggest don't don't put it on a sticky and stick it under your computer, but you know, we do have these nifty iPhones with face ID and, and fingerprint and they do have some, you know, pretty tremendous apps like LastPass or a ton of others, you know, and of course, you know, again, like we said, do do your due diligence, kind of, you know, research it before you just decide that you're going to give this one app all your passwords. Password safe is a tremendously uh, strong move. And, and it's a lot of them will even make your unique passwords. It stores it right there. And then when you need it, you know, you just jump on your phone and, and you have it. So I'm, I've been making a list since you've been talking. So one was design, designated devices, you know, using certain devices for certain activities, especially as it relates to personal versus business, using a VPN, having strong passwords. What about, because I get asked this a lot on my devices and I usually skip it because it seems like a pain, but what about two-factor authentication? Jeff, I cannot preach enough about two-factor authentication. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I, it's honestly the bane of my existence if, if I'm being candid, but I do it for everything. And it's the bane of my existence because I'll have my phone in my bedroom and I want to log into my bank account in the living room and I have to then get up and go get my phone. Right. But, you know, it really is the equivalent to, you know, not just doing the key fob beep beep to lock your door, but also having the car alarm on because someone might have the key but they don't have the way to deactivate the alarm. So in, an, in a situation where maybe you didn't have a strong password or someone's cracked your password and you all of a sudden get a text message with that authentication code, well, that's given you the knowledge that something's up. Uh, you know, you can go and immediately change that password. You can notify uh, your, your bank or, or whatever account that is. And, and you've stopped the attack right there. So it's really, uh, it's highly recommended just really on everything, on any sensitive account. You know, for I, I do it for my, my socials. I do it for my bank accounts. I even do it for my Gmail and Amazon. That's great. I fig I figured you were going to say that, and I know I need to do it. It's one of the. It's like I, I hate it, Jeff. I you know I hate security. It's a pain, but <laughs> but 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 you got to do it. You know, it's almost like flossing. I know it's really really good for me. It's just a little bit of a pain, but I need to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, it keeps us all safe. You know, it's like, and that's that's the wild thing about the current landscape of cybercrime is it's really not. You know, kind of in the same vein of COVID, right? It's like it's not just about us; it's about everyone else. Protect protecting ourselves is also protecting our communities and our national infrastructure. That's right. And we, we were talking before we, we got on the actual recording that, and I think this is where we can, we can land here is that 
cyber criminals are looking for the path of least resistance. And so if we can put up some resistance, then that really helps us protect ourselves. Is, is that right? It's absolutely right. I talk about it in my trainings all the time. You talk about all the different types of cyber threats out there and the different, you know, quote unquote adversaries from, you know, your typical cyber criminal to your hacker, to your cyber terrorist. They're all utilizing social engineering for exactly what you just said, Jeff. It's, it's the path of least resistance. It's so much easier to have someone give you the answer, open the door, you know, give you the password than to try to hack in, you know, past security or, or really do any work at all. Um, you know, and I, and as we were talking about before, and, you know, something I, I find fascinating, you know, people talk about how, you know, why would they send this broken English email or, you know, why would they make it so obvious? And it's actually, uh, it's more sophisticated than, than we think in, in the reality is that they are not just phishing, but they're phishing for the person to fall for the broken English email. Because if they'll fall for the broken English email, then they'll probably give up their credit card number. If they'll give up their credit card number, who knows what else they'll give out. They probably give you remote uh, access to their computer. It, it, it makes the target pool that much more enticing to the cyber criminal. Yep, that makes that makes total sense. So everyone out there listening, put up some resistance. These have been great practical tips, Max. This has been fantastic. And I think too, more than anything, for me, it's it's a, a reminder to stay stay diligent, not just in the month of October, but but every day because there are cyber criminals out there, you know, trying to get trying to get to us. So, so put up some resistance and these have been great tips to do that. If someone wanted to reach out and, and get in contact with you, Max, what's the best way for them to do that? There's a couple of different ways. Max.green at, at tylertech.com. I can also be reached at max at greenridgeci.com. Um, so, you know, always available to answer any questions. I also want to just leave, leave the group with, you know, one last famous tip Jeff, just in that diligence and in that mindfulness we want to employ, you know, always um, when it comes to a URL or a link, you know, when hover over that link first, see where it's sending you and then follow our first forward slash two dots back rule. Because if in any web address, if you go to that, whatever the first forward slash is and you go two dots back, that's where they're actually sending you. It doesn't matter what it says in the before it or after it. Uh, you know, that's the convention. And, and that right there is going to tell you, am I going to a safe site? Am I going to a, safe, a site they're telling me I'm going to? And it, it, it will allow people to kind of catch things uh, more often than not. First forward slash two dots back. Yep. I feel like we need, need to make a song or something to make sure people <laughs> remember that. First forward slash two dots back. Well, Max, as always, this has been super great information. Again, we our goal here is just to help people become diligent because we, you know, we want to keep, like you said, keep not only them safe, but but other people safe as well. So thank you so much for this. Thank you, Jeff. Well, thank you, Max, for helping us understand and to remind us to stay diligent, especially as many of us again are are still working from home. And a lot of us will be working from home in a more permanent situation as well. So thank you for that. Hope you enjoyed that episode. We drop a brand new episode on the Tyler Tech Podcast every other Monday. We've got lots of great episodes planned. So please subscribe. If you enjoy the podcast, also leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. Well, this is Jeff Harrell, Director of Content Marketing for Tyler Technologies. So glad that you joined me and we'll talk to you soon.